Blog Talk Radio. Vortex theory, I'm telling you. <laughs> no, that's called Mother but, Nature not liking us Northeastern people because we've been getting nailed with rain almost every day in the last like two or three weeks. Well, it's it's interesting that you say that because obviously there has been a lot of rain that's been hitting the East Coast, and so much to the fact that it's actually uh, hampered. Uh, an upcoming race this week uh, at uh, Thunder Thunder Road Raceway. Is that correct, Taz Taylor? The SRX Series is Thunder, already announced. Thunder, yeah, Thunder Road Speed Bowl. Is, I mean, we could say the news already and jump into this series if we want. Uh, SRX announced last Thursday uh, due to the heavy amount of rain and flooding that's happened in the state of Vermont um, and other places in the northeast, uh, SRX, the governor of Vermont, and the Thunder Road Speed Bowl track promoter, owner, have all agreed to pull the plug on SRX at Thunder Road, and they have guaranteed an SRX race at that same track for next year to make up for this year's loss. So we know, so we know one race for next year for sure. Um, but that, with that being said, if 
Stafford has opened up the doors to SRX to race there one more time this week before SRX heads to Virginia for Motor Mile Speedway. Yeah, so um, Stafford's going to get a, a basically a double header in this uh, short six-week SRX series. Um, not the uh, not just uh, uh, stats that we were looking for uh, in viewership. I know a lot of us were excited that ESPN was going to carry this into the next dimension. Um, it was good to have uh, um, Alan Beswick back in the booth. I think that that's some familiarity. Familiar, familiarity. Y'all bear with me, guys. I'm dealing with uh, maybe a little bit of too much heat today. Um, where the Northeast is dealing with a lot of rain, we're dealing with extreme heat. And uh, I think it's kind of gotten the best of me today. So if I sound slurred or actually have to take a break for a second or something like that, it's just uh, it's what happens. We we got back from the mountains. I felt great. But um, today has kind of beat the hell out of me, uh, so to speak. So just bear with me, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll make a show of it. But... Uh, Definitely with uh, Stafford stepping up there, you know it's unfortunate, Taz, because you know a lot of uh, a lot of money was spent on this event. Um, you know, anytime a promoter brings in a a major series, and especially one with a national television uh, crew such as ESPN coming into their racetrack, all the advertisements and all that lay on the. Uh, uh, responsibilities of the racetrack, and unfortunately, all that is lost from the improvements made to the speedway uh, to the radio advertisements spent. Um, you know, it's good to know that SRX is going to keep them uh, in the loop for next season, but it's just unfortunate over how much the actual uh, town and speedway, how much you know, how much not, they're, they're, they're going to have to cough up for this situation. Well. The, there's a couple of downfalls to this. Obviously, the people in Vermont or people that planned on traveling to this track um, basically lost out on this opportunity. Um, the only downfall on this, too, and he is very um, he's been very vocal about it on Twitter, if you haven't noticed. Uh, the Godfather, uh, Mr. Moody, he's, uh, like I said, he's been vocal about it on Twitter, and He's not entirely pleased. He feels like Vermont got robbed. Um, I th- he was supposed to even make a guest appearance at the track. I, I don't remember what exactly what he was supposed to do, but, uh, yeah, he was supposed to make it against a guest appearance at Thunder Road, and uh, maybe that had to take a toll on it. I don't know, but he's uh, he's not entirely pleased, but show must go on. But, I mean, what – can you do in the rest of week time with as much as yeah, it's a big move by the SRX series uh, to be able to come in and make that kind of move and make that statement. But I mean, at the same time, if you're going into a a destruction area, um, you know, you have to do what's best for the series, and you know, maybe they learned something from NASCAR. Uh, a few years ago when we couldn't go to certain places and certain tracks that, hey, the event must go on. It's just sometimes there may be a change of revenue so or um, a change of uh, um, venue, avenue. Yeah, venue, thank you, Miss Lee. Thank you so much. 
Yeah, but, you know, I mean, seriously, what, what were they supposed to do? I mean, the place got, what was it, a one-in-a-thousand-year flood? I mean, there are people that have lost their homes, their livelihoods, and everything else. And so, yeah, you know, it's an inconvenience for some people that the race isn't going to be there. But, you know, this, and, yes, the series had to do what they had to do so they could continue on. But I think that they were being respectful of the people of Vermont and promising oh, them that they would go go next year there. I, I I think that was you know the best that they could do for them under the circumstances. Right. You know, oh they, yeah, they should, you, know, you know, I mean, you know, should, you know, contribute to a charitable fund, a little bit of money to a charitable fund or something too. But you know, I mean, as far as from a procedural standpoint, I think what they did was perfectly fine. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know they had to go the extra mile when not only did they have to reach out to the track, but they reached out to the governor of Vermont uh, to make things happen and work out. And like I said, I'm glad they made up. You know what? It sucks that they pulled the plug because I was actually looking forward to see um, one of the shortest tracks on the schedule this year because we know um, the shorter the track, the better racing we get. But... Um, I mean, look at Slingers in comparison to Thunder Road. Right. Well, I definitely feel like the reason, you know, I know we started things off with SRX, and we normally start things off with NASCAR, but I'll be real honest with you, the SRX series is actually more entertaining this weekend uh, than the NASCAR race, especially from the Cup Series side. I mean, it was basically dominated by MTJ, and that, that's a good thing. Like, right, uh, we're seeing a guy who's, you know, maybe was off last year and was one of the big five, uh, big three there for a few years, uh, kind of fizzled off, uh, went through some personal stuff, and now he's on his way back to the top. And we talked, you know, on this show recently that Martin Trucks Jr. was he was on fire, and he was headed to the top of the list. And we carried other names like Brad Keselowski. And, uh, you know, once again, guys, this is like seven weeks in a row that we're going to be able to talk about RFK racing tonight. You know, and it's not – we're not just plugging them in to talk about them because we want to make RFK – they are literally making the headlines. I mean, Brad Keselowski, well, another top five finish. Well, Chris, I'm going to – I'm going to nab on that because we're going to blend – if we're going to transition here, I'm going to blend uh, the two series here. We obviously had Hamlin, Keselowski, Harvick, uh, just to name a few of the current cup guys racing – or that raced in Stafford, that raced in New Hampshire. Obviously, those three guys have had their own share of success in New Hampshire. But if you look at those – if you look at two of those three guys, right, Harvick and Hamlin, I'm uh, personally circling – those two guys have really good success at the low bank flat track type racing or tracks or whatever. Um, unfortunately, Harvick did not get the did not get the good end of the stick at Stafford, but it obviously showed um, with Hamlin because he marched his way through the field like it was nothing, not once right. but twice. Right. And and obviously New Hampshire, you know, he had, he has his own success there, and I think running Stafford obviously showed there. 
And with you mentioning Brad getting a top five, um, he mentioned that he's running SRX full time this year because there's a lack of sack time with no, with really like no practice. Uh, and so he took advantage of the situation and look what he benefited out of by running Stafford. Right. I mean, granted, granted yeah, I Stafford may be a little bit more banked than New Hampshire and a lot smaller, but I mean, it's, it's still the same layout pretty much. You know, I, I hear a lot about this. And, you know, we used to connect um, practice time with Xfinity Series and drivers racing the, you know, the cars within the NASCAR Series, and, and mostly at the tracks that they're going to race in the Cup Series. So it's really hard to really figure out: are they, are they really getting, um, what what advantages do they have for running someplace like a Stafford? Uh, on the same weekend as um, as a cup race, and you know, honestly, it's just it's just I guess the best thing of it is his seat time, right? And and they go through the motions of being a race car driver. Um, when you're out of the car for five days out of the week, and then you get in, it's it's a, quite an adjustment. Trust me, as a as a as a local track announcer, the worst thing in the world is. We only we only race every two weeks, so if we have a rain out, well, it's a month before I'm back in my seat again. So you know you have to have to know when to turn it on and when to turn it off. And a lot of times, I guess you know that's what these guys are calling an advantage by being able to get more seat time. Uh, it's it, you know it's not that the driving ability of the car can transfer over. It's not uh, any notes from, you know, setups or anything like that that can be transferred. It has to just be the driver cockpit type thing where, you know, a driver's going to exactly. do certain things while he's in the – yes, Miss Lee, please carry this along. Well, I, I was just going to say, you know, a simulator can only go so far. And so, you know, yeah, the you know, spending time in the simulator, especially – you know, if, if it's a track that you're not familiar with or whatever, you know, it, it's really, it is a good thing. But you're right, that seat time, it, it, it's, you know, it, it's your reaction time. It, it doesn't matter if the cars are the same or not. It's your, you know, being able to, it's that muscle memory kind of thing. Your reaction times, your braking times, your gas, you know, how you clutch, whatever. That's, you know... That's muscle memory. So that, you know, a simulator is not quite going to cut it where getting as much seat time as you can is, you know, important to a lot of these guys. I I um, I have to make – I had to laugh when you mentioned the whole break thing because, uh, because I was watching uh, bits and pieces of Haley Deegan's a uh, little vlog on her YouTube of her race at Stafford. And at the end, she was talking to some of the drivers, like Ken Trader, which she said Ken Trader's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, ever. Um, and then she was talking to one or two other drivers, and one of them was Brad Keselowski. And Brad literally said that he lost brakes at the end of that race and he was glad it ended early because because of that <laughs> reason 
And the best part was he said he wasn't even using brakes. They were some glowing rotors, my friend. There was some glowing rotors out there. I was like, dang, these things are glowing about about like the damn NASCAR rotors are. I mean, they they were. So, uh, yeah, I mean. And I'm surprised. There was was a couple of surprises with Tony Kanan especially because, I mean, Kanan's ran Stafford. Uh, I know the first year he did. I don't remember last year if he did or not. I want to say no, um, but I could be wrong on that. Um, but he, but like with him running SRX and especially the Brazil um, stock car series that he's in or whatever, you would think he knows how to manage his brakes without having them glow so bad. Honestly, I think it was I think it was something in the brake package that they're using there, and they'll probably uh, look at that uh, before they come back to Stafford. That's the, you know one of those one of those deals where you know of course um, they're race cars and they're going to find the weakest point of the car in a race, and you know it wasn't just one blower; it, it was basically the whole field of cars. They they were all you know pretty much glowing on their rotors. Um, so you'll probably see a little tweak in there, maybe a fan or something, a brake fan introduced or something like that. The greatest thing about what I like about the SRX series so far is that it is an equal playing field amongst cars. If if one car gets something, they all get something. And so, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see how they play that as we go to a, you know, a, a redo, basically, of last week at Stafford and whether or not they'll maybe do something that that uh, keeps those brakes from overheating so fast. Because as you said, as it was just been heating up. Like, we didn't get the rates that we were expecting because it, it just ended so abruptly. Um, I, I feel like uh, things were just been, you know, getting good. Yeah, I kind of expected – I knew it was going to come. I was, it was just a matter of when. I mean, obviously with me being in New York – uh, with how weather travels from west to east, I knew it was just a matter of time of when it was going to come, and I was surprised that they tried keep keeping going for as long as they did because there was a couple flashes I did see in the background, but that one big flash where you clearly saw that lightning strike, I knew they were going to call it right there because I mean, uh, as soon as I saw that strike, I was like, "Yep, that's it." And about two seconds later, that, that's when they threw the yellow and. Uh, that was basically the end of the race. And like I said, I knew it was coming because we had that same storm too. Yeah. You know, you can get away with a lot at your local short track, but when you have ESP in there and you have all this attention on it, you have to make the best decision possible. And that decision is going to keep you from getting sued. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that it ended early. I feel like it was kind of running behind anyway. And, uh, you know, the start time is maybe an issue, but it seems like we're just never happy anyway as race fans. So um, you guys are from the East Coast. It's a Thursday night. It's 9 o'clock before it even comes on. Did, did that hinder what you were going to do for that evening? I would like, you know, I'm on I'm on the central time zone. So 8 o'clock is not that bad. 10 o'clock the news comes on and everybody goes to bed. But 11 o'clock, you know, I very rarely do get to see the end of uh, of an NFL game on Monday night because it ends at somewhere between 10:30 and 11 o'clock. Um, how did that affect y'all being? Is that going to affect y'all being able to watch 
uh, the SRX on a Thursday night? Well, for me, it's not a problem because I am generally off on Fridays. So, um, you know, if it should run into overtime or whatever, um, that's not a problem for me. I, I run into that problem more with truck races on a Friday night because I have to get up and go to work Saturday morning. So for me personally, it's not an issue. But, yeah, I can see where it would be. And, and if we look back at um, the viewership statistics um, right. from uh, Adam Stern retweeted um, a guy by the name of Austin Carp said the debut of SRX Racing on ESPN on Thursday, 395,000 viewers, tough weather, delays led to the end of the race, kind of getting cut off, obviously well below what CBS was drawing in 2022 and 2021. Well, you've got, you've got two issues here. You've got it Thursday night. Well, I'm going to say three issues. You've got it on a Thursday night. Thursday night. You've got the, the late start time, which, you know, does affect us East Coast people. And then you're looking at a cable channel versus an over-the-air channel. So those are the three things that I see affecting the viewership numbers. It'll be interesting to see after another couple of weeks, whether or not those numbers go up, which hopefully they do. But, you know, um, like I said, I, for me personally, the starting time and, and, and the day doesn't make that much difference. But for people that work, you know, Monday through Friday, obviously it can be an issue. Yeah, it's, uh, it is interesting that you bring up the fact uh, that it's not on uh, over-the-air television. And I've always kind of been like, well, everybody has cable. Everybody has cable. But I think the one thing that I always miss is if you're not – there are many channels on cable that you don't even look at. Like you just – even if you flip through them, some of them you flip through even faster. Uh, I do that with every Hallmark and Lifetime channel, right. guaranteed. Right. I'm just going to haul ass through that through that section of stuff because there's nothing there that's going to appease me. There's nothing there. So being on CBS, which is an over the over the over the air uh, network, it, there is something more about that that I really you know it, it has to be relevant that people tune in more to. Uh, a, a privileged station like CBS or ABC, NBC versus an ESPN, right? Because if you're not an ESPN fan, you're not going to be surfing to see what's on ESPN. But if you are looking for your favorite uh, typical show that comes on CBS on a Saturday night, well, you're going to be, you know, maybe you're looking for The Voice or something like that, and then you run across it. I see how it brings in a bigger audience. You know, I've never really understood that. With NASCAR, because they say, oh, well, it skips around in the channels, and it's the reason why the viewers should look. I grew up in an in a age where you didn't, you know, you didn't know if it was going to be on TBS, TNT, but you found the damn race. But I guess in this day and age where there's so much other things 
being put on an ESPN isn't healthy for this type of series. You want the biggest audience, <laughs> and you're basically and secluding yourself to only sports fans when you put it on on ESPN. Now, this is on ABC. I think that we would be looking at it completely different. But since it's on ESPN, there's a lot of race fans that boycott ESPN because of because of you know their wokeness uh, and and of course uh, they don't cover NASCAR. Exactly that and the whole issue with you know that went on with between them and NASCAR. But let well let me just share this with you, okay? I don't have cable. I refuse to pay for it. Especially today, you know, when you can stream things. So I have, I get Sling, okay? I use Sling, and I use, I subscribe to Sling Blue, okay? And when Fox has the races, I have to add their sports package so that I can get FX or Fox Sports 2 because of some of the races and some of the stuff being covered on that. Okay. So when NBC picks up the races, I'm okay with Sling, but I also have to have Peacock for some things as well. But Mm -hmm. then now with um, SRX being on ESPN, for this short six-week season, I had I had dropped the sports extra because Fox Sports 2 wasn't necessary anymore. But now I had to pick up Fox Blue and – or Sling Blue plus Sling Orange so I could get ESPN so I could watch the SRX races. So it's a game. And how many NASCAR fans really want to do that? Right. Everybody everybody complained about, remember when NBC had the Olympics and how NASCAR races were getting punted to CNBC and USA and (laughs) all kinds of obscure channels? Man, people raised a bit about that. Right. Because if they weren't part of your cable package or your streaming package, whatever it may be, you know, you were out of luck. So, right. you know, you raise a good point, Chris. I, it, it would it would have been I, – I understand the reasoning behind going with ESPN and bringing back Thursday Night Thunder. But, yeah, ABC might have been a better venue. But then again – I don't watch a lot of television, so I don't know what their Thursday night lineup is and whatever regular shows people might, you know, be expecting. So I don't know if they were willing to disrupt their regular viewership, but we'll see how it plays out. Well, honestly, I feel like the ESPN dipping their toes back in the water. They want to see if they can attract that fan base again because the reason for their leaving last time was viewership and and the cost of production versus the viewership. You know, ESPN's gone a little bit of a different direction over the last 10 years, Um, being bought by Disney. uh, They were also in the mix to buy WWE. uh, You know, their name's been kicked around and buying a lot of different uh, 
venues and uh, sports, uh, including NASCAR. I believe in, even including NASCAR. Um, but uh, you know, um, as I said, I, I think that it's you know just a dipping of the toes to see if they can get the fan base back over that way. I would love to see it on ABC because I really do believe uh, that this series is best fit for over the air airways. And there's so many. You know, there's, there's like CW and all these others that, that are free channels. Um, if you're going to go throw it over, uh, like you said, Ms. Lee, over on uh, CNBC or a USA, please, let's use one of these other free over-the-airwave channels that, uh, you know, play uh, gun smoke all day long. You know, I mean, there are other places uh, that you could put this if you're just going to, you know, say, hey, we're going to make sure it's over the airways and more accessible to the public. Um, because as you said, Ms. Lee, some people are just not going to go changing their uh, cable, and I put that in parentheses, cable package or streaming package just for a six-week race series. Uh, Taz, right. what are your and, thoughts? Uh, unless you're a diehard like me. <laughs> like us, right. Like me, right, exactly. Uh, but you have those that will, and that was the 200,000. Uh, that was actually watching, but nowhere near the numbers uh, that we've seen in the inception. And then last year, you know, it's kind of a downward trend now. It feels like. Taz, uh, let's uh, let's continue the subject. I I did expect the viewership numbers to drop a, a little bit because CBS was uh, drawing in a million viewers on average. Um, in each of the six weeks for the two years. But I didn't expect the viewership to drop that much. Um, and I agree with Lee. I mean, you have to sit here and adjust. If you don't have the special sports package or whatever, um, you pretty much have to upgrade um, your your streaming package or cable package, whatever it is in order to get it. Um, and the thing with ESPN, I, I'm giving, I'm giving them a shot and they're, they're at least trying new waters. They had to adjust because of, yeah, they did have a three year deal with CBS, but when they tried this Thursday night thunder out, they had to go somewhere else because CBS told them we can't lose our prime time. Uh, shows on Thursday night. That was their main struggle. They wanted to keep SRX, but Thursdays were just not going to work. So SRX had to adjust, uh, which CBS understood. And unfortunately, it had to um, it had to go down that route. And it just, and the only problem with ESPN too, it's not a main, like a mainstream uh, network either. Like say NBC, USA, CBS, um, Fox, ABC, just to name a few, pretty much. So it, it's so is USA like said, still you, over the air? Is it still over the air? channel, because USA used to be a mega channel, similar to CBS, I mean, uh, TBS. They were one of the few that were actually still, WGN, I believe, and 
USA. TNT, uh, I think, was one too. Yeah, they they were they were over the air airwaves. Right? Is, is that still USA? Can you get USA without a cable package in your area? No, you cannot. Oh, okay. So it has transitioned no. over. Okay. It's only cable. It's part, it's I mean, part I of the un- no, it's part of the NBC umbrella, and no, they're they're only available on cable the, or whatever. The only thing wow. it was one that, of the stations. The only thing that I have this nitpick with on the streaming services is that when you say, for instance, if you have the Fox Sports app, like I do. Um, I can stream anything through Fox as long as it's connected to my TV provider if I don't subscribe to their special package or whatever, which I'm okay with because, I mean, for the most part, really, if I were to watch anything on the Fox deal, I'm pretty much at home anyway, which is, con- which, is um, which obviously my Internet is connected through the TV deal. Um, but if you say subscribe, but like, I have Peacock because there are a few things that I like to watch on there. And uh, what what kind of things with Peacock and NBC is that NBC kind of picks and chooses which cup races are on Peacock. So it kind of sings in that sense. Um, the other one that also sings, um, I mentioned in the... In, group chat on Thursday night is that I picked up, is that I tried ESPN Plus. I mean, I picked it up for SRX, but I just wanted to see what it was like. And it doesn't give you all the ESPN stuff. Like, you have to be connected to the TV provider. If you don't have ESPN um, with your TV provider, then you're pretty much screwed. Which, that's kind of bogus. So, and you're only getting ESPN Plus content. So if there's something broadcasting on the main ESPN channel, you don't get it. If, you, if you, there's something broadcasting on ESPN 2, yeah, you may or may not. But if it's through ESPN Plus, boom, you got it. it, it, it ESPN does not have a very good pack screen package. So they limit you, like, uh, for your baseball, Sunday night baseball and stuff like that. That's not going to be on ESPN Plus. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's like if, like, say if you're watching, if you want to watch, say, Are Braves USC? take on, like, like if if you want to say Braves take on um, the Yankees and they're broadcasting on the main ESPN network, and you have ESPN Plus, you ain't going to get it unless you're connected to a TV provider. Even though you are ESPN Plus. Even though you're an ESPN Plus subscriber, that's garbage. Yeah, more more is not always better. More choices does not always lead to the best quality. So, just gonna put this out there for you, race fans or general public listening along. If you are looking into streaming services, looking into your fine details, or you just say, "Hey, I want to get it." I mean, I looked into details, but apparently I didn't look enough. 
Yeah, I think my cable bill is somewhere around $250 a month. But I have a phone, I have internet, and I have all the cable package that I need. And that's the sports package, and I don't have any movie packages or nothing like that, but um, you know, just more than basic cable. I've got like 400-something channels, I guess, to pick from. Um, best cable that I can get in this area. Uh, but, you know, I mean, that's, that's uh, $250 is a lot of people's light bill these days. Uh, my light bill, I wish it was $250. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's a lot of money. It really is. And uh, you know, I don't see, but... You know, by the time you get this streaming service and that streaming service, I mean, I, I get Peacock for free because I'm a, I'm, uh, I have Comcast, so Xfinity. So, um, you know, that that's one of them. But we also have Amazon. We've got, oh, God, Slow Racing, uh, I think Hulu. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're, we're caught in the streaming mess as well, y'all. Don't, don't, don't let me lie to you. Well, see, that's why I won't pay for cable, because I can get everything that I want or need either free or through a streaming service. And so, you know, like I mentioned to um, Kaz Thursday night, you know, you can, there's ESPNs available on FUBU, Philo, Sling, there might be others out there, but... I've just settled on Sling because that's what works best for me as far as being able to switch back and forth between packages for the, um, right. you know, the different parts of the racing season. Yeah, you're, you're, you're definitely a slinger. <laughs> Do you remember the, the Sling commercial <laughs> when they first come out? <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were slingers, Do you remember? Yeah, I remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Oh goodness! But I mean, it worked for them. They obviously they became one of the uh, one of the bigger uh, streaming services. So good, uh, good marketing. I think Taz Taylor has somehow gotten logged out of the. Uh, okay, there we go. All right, welcome back, the, the, Taz. The other, <laughs> the other thing I want to point out with the viewership too, if you really think about it, is there are people that share. Um, streaming logins or whatever, and you are able to stream the same thing on multiple devices or screens, that could be a problem there, too. I don't know if that's really a huge drop or a huge reason of the drop. I want to say that's probably minor, probably very minor. Yeah, because the only ones that, that really that really cracked down on that crap was uh, Netflix. I mean, they, they were the first. They probably won't be the last. But at least for this point in time right now, it's not that big of a deal with some of the other streaming services. So, I you know, know that may or may not be a factor. I know Dirt Track Digest when um, they – during COVID year when they used to have the package of I think it was like I think it was like nine ninety nine or nineteen ninety nine a month. Uh you were able to watch any and all free or any and all live um races plus their past um live broadcasts on their archives. 
but they, but you could only watch it through one screen because I tried seeing if I could watch it on the computer in my computer and my phone at the same time, and just to see if it would work. And no, it does not. So I know Dirtrack Digest is one that does not let you uh, watch the same program yeah. on two different screens. Close the same way as well. Uh, I think that you can use the same router. But you can't you can't like let your dad borrow your uh, uh, your your flow racing account and y'all both watch it at the same time. I think my son can watch it on one, so he can be in there watching something you know dirt related. And I'm in here watching Stafford, right? And it'll let me do that. It'll let me watch Stafford, and my my son will be in there watching Lucas Oil. But uh, as soon as you try to let somebody else log in outside of your internet, outside of your I guess your uh, Wi-Fi box or whatever it is, uh, it, it'll it'll cut you out. It, it won't let you log in. So um, there are there are some roadblocks with that. But you know, I think one of the questions that I felt like that this may have led to discussing this is: Did we see a drop off of viewership, or is it just harder to tally those that are watching it? Do we really feel like it fell off by you know seventy percent, or is thirty five percent of that fall off? dictated because of like Miss Lee's case where you're you're having to go alternate routes in order to watch uh this series. Well, that's a, that's could, an interesting question. I could see that. I mean if you think I mean I don't know how people will get away with it and don't get flagged for it. But I have seen um one or two YouTube accounts have the have at least they had this past SRX race um, full full broadcast, minus some of the main commercials or whatever. Like if it was a side by side commercial break, um, those were on. But if it was like complete plain cur- commercial, but you weren't seeing any racing action or what was going on at the track, they cut those out. But like they put the pretty much the whole broadcast on YouTube and you can watch it for free. I can send you two links for it if you all if y'all want to go back and watch it with no problem. <laughs> I'm right, right. That, kind of, that probably could, you know, be a downfall in viewership too. Again, a minor thing. Well now last well, year with you know, SRX, one thing that I gave him credit for is because no it wasn't two hours after the race is over with, C B S already had it on YouTube. So you you may not have gotten to catch it live, but instead of having to find it on the DVR, I would get home uh, and, and basically uh, because you know it would come on a lot of times while we were at the dirt track. So I would come home and just watch it on YouTube. It would already be uploaded to YouTube. So I don't know if that's correlating with each other or what, but basically it was like a two-hour interval from the time that uh, it was played on live network television, and then you can find it on YouTube. So. Um, they may be, it may have been there live. I don't know, but I know within two hours, I was able to watch, uh, several races last year, uh, when it was on, uh, CBS and, and then converted to YouTube. Ms. Lee? Uh, I was, I was just going to say, as far as, um, uh, being able to log in on different devices, I know I can have both my TVs and my computer, all three, on different races 
whether it's all on all from Sling or not. But I also use a VPN, so my IP address is masked. So I don't know if that makes any difference as far as you know when people want to share their accounts or not. But just throwing it out there. Right. Well, it wasn't just SRX series this week that uh, set the road on fire. It was definitely a Monday race at New Hampshire where Martin Truex Jr. led uh, 200 and something laps. Um, it was quite the snooze fest. Um, there was action on the racetrack. And as a matter of fact, one of the guys that could actually have, may have uh, been a challenger for Martin Truex Jr., though it's really hard to say if there ever really was a challenger. Uh, was Eric Amarola, and we talked about him in our uh, show last week about maybe being a potential contender uh, for this upcoming race. He was definitely a contender, guys. What is it that Stuart Haas has here at this racetrack, or is it just, does it just fit the style of Eric Amarola? You know, how do we fit in that to the downfall and the, the basic call-off that we've seen from SHR. Why is this track so important? So I kind of want to get on you on that one because we've seen, we obviously in the last few years have seen how Eric Amarola um, races at New Hampshire, not only with the win that he had uh, two years ago, but obviously where he was running up front here. Uh, this, or yeah, yesterday afternoon, um, Kevin Harvick, as I mentioned earlier, something with low bank track, he's got it. He's got it going for him. Um, another one, you can you can pretty much say, and unfortunately didn't have as good of a finish as I thought he would, is Ryan Priest, being that he's a short track guy coming from Connecticut, and Stafford is one of his uh, home tracks. And speaking of Priest and Stafford, he'll be running SRX. Uh, this Thursday night um, at Stafford, but anyway, um, but yeah, it, there's something. So I'm thinking that between at least between those three drivers, um, they're sharing some notes somewhere. Um, to obviously to an extent, because obviously each driver wants to go for the win. And I, and while we're talking about SHR, I saw a NASCAR YouTuber. Um, interview Kevin Harvick um, post-race, and he was saying how um, the 10 car, the teammate, you know, broke one of his tires and went into the wall. What are your thoughts on that? And Kevin Harvick's comment was, was that good? And he walked away, like, unprovoked. And I'm like, wow, Harvick really knows where he stands on this. But, wow. like I said, but it, it didn't seem Kevin Harvick-esque, in my opinion, but I, I found it kind of funny. Right. Yeah, so what, uh, SHR obviously has something here in their notebooks that helps them run well at the track, and, you know, it's, uh, uh, I guess it, maybe there's some correlation between this track and Phoenix, I'm not sure. Um, it is a smaller track, so uh, maybe some of that data rolls over. Uh, if they somehow find a car in contention at Phoenix, I doubt that's possible. Uh, but um, definitely it was good to see 
Uh, SHR makes some improvements and have a good run. I believe uh, uh, Chase Briscoe uh, wound up with the top ten along with Kevin Harvick, and I believe Eric Emerola would have had a, a, a top ten finish, probably a top five finish had he not uh, ran into issues. Um, but um, uh, it seems that, uh, that Penske, you know, Ford once again just doesn't have their uh, stuff together this year. Outside well, of Front Row Motorsports and RFK. I mean, look. Well, I mean, <laughs> if, you, risen to the top. Some, <laughs> if you look at if you looked at yesterday's race, I noticed from a good majority of it, it was basically Ford versus Toyota versus Kyle Larson. That was pretty much the race. Obviously, your Toyotas was basically DGR of Bell, Hamlin, Truex, um, and... And then your Fords were, as you mentioned, Chris, Blaney, Logano, the two Penske cars. Um, You mentioned front row because of McDowell, who was up there um, for a good part of that. Um, RFK towards the end of Brad Kieslowski. Chris Buescher luckily avoided um, the Alex Bowman incident. And I'll give props to Bowman. He saved that car. From having a giant disaster. That's for sure. I didn't see the race because I was at work, so I don't have a lot to add. The, oh, you really didn't miss much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it was really one of those races. You didn't miss much. It, well. It was only a matter of time for Truex to be winning at New Hampshire anyway. I mean, he was winless coming in, but it wasn't the first time where he dominated New Hampshire. He's he's dominated New Hampshire at least two or three times in the last few years. But right, and now we come home the bridesmaid. Yep, and he he just fell short. And this time around, he said, "I'm not falling short. This is my year. This is my time." And and we, I know we've said this time and time again, but it really seems like whatever he went through last year on the personal side, um, and of course with the thought of uh, do I retire, do I not, it really had to have um, played a huge part in his performance because to go from winless and missing the playoffs, which still mind blows me for finishing third or fourth in the regular season. But anyway, uh, missing the playoffs, winless. And to this year, he's now got what? Three or four wins? I want to say three, three wins, four total. Three wins, four total. Oh, yeah, the class. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, he's had a turnaround season, and yet he's still, I mean, I'm sure in the back of his mind, it's probably not as strong this year as it probably was last year. But I'm sure... You know, still in the back of his mind, he's still trying to think of: Do I go one more year, or do I just, you know, hang it up? Yeah, I mean, he probably doesn't want to hang it up. Uh, obviously, right? But uh, I don't, I don't know if his career is actually in his in his hands or not. I think it's uh, in the hands of Joe Gibbs. But what I am hearing is that Michael McDowell was the driver tagged for the 10 car over at SHR 
But Front Row Motorsports put up a sign and said, hey, we have a we have an option on McDowell. So McDowell may not be a free agent. And that could, you know, that, that and could obviously open the door for something else to happen or somebody else. It's funny you mentioned it's funny you mentioned that because there, there's a lot of silly season stuff going around, and there's one, and I'm shocked, Chris, never, you never commented on this in this in our chat earlier, but there's a couple silly season flo- things floating around. And obviously, um, front row is going to be playing a crucial part in this, right? Because you have McDowell's, which McDowell's pull out an option, and it's just a matter of time if front row is going to accept his option or decline it or a negotiation role type deal. Um, the, obviously front row wants Zane, obviously Zane Smith has put the feeler out that he wants to go cup racing, which means he's got front row in the back pocket. The front row try to keep Todd Gillen in hopes that maybe he's got a little bit more funding so he can run full time and stay with them. Um, of course the question of Eric Amarola in the 10 car, if he's going to be staying, if he's going to be going, um, I mean, there's also the Harrison Burton deal, who's not really performing in the 21 car. There's a lot of uh, tossing and turning on that, but there is, there could be another possible free agent in the works here. And the reason why I say possible is because nothing's set in stone yet. But Shane Van Gisbergen, your winner from the Chicago Street Course, has put out a feeler that he may be interested in running NASCAR uh, full-time next year. And there have been talking that this season of supercars that he's running could be his last if he chooses to run NASCAR Cup Series. Nothing's been set in stone yet. Obviously, he has um, discussions between him and his supercars. Uh, team owner have not uh, come into full circle just yet. Um, and right. his well, supercars team here? owner, and the supercars team owner is not is not going to hold him back if he will go to to do that. Yeah, but if you hired him, Taz, would you put him directly in a cup car, or would you not send him through the minor leagues just like every other driver has to go to? How do you believe that this guy is just capable of jumping in into a forty race race season, uh, thirty six races in forty weeks? and is able to contend on an everyday basis. I mean, sure, he'll be good in some places, uh, road course, maybe a street course, but this guy has zero experience racing the oval. How do we expect that he would be some glorified free agent just because he come in and run and won a road course race? It's not the first time that a road course ringer has, you know, um, lit the world on fire because they were really good at a road course, right? But what do these guys do the moment they get a chance to go out onto the oval? They suck. Christian Filipati, uh, Dario Franchitti, um, the list just goes on. Sam Hornish, it took him years, man. Sam Hornish, it took him years, okay? Marcus Ambrose didn't just go cup racing. So, I mean, you know, what SVG did, I think he toots his own horn a little bit too much. If he really honestly believes, you want an embarrassment tour? You want Jimmy Johnson 2.0? Go over and put him into a full-time cup car and see how, how many seconds off pace he is when he gets to a place like New Hampshire or like uh, Gateway 
or even, you know, uh, Pocono, for crying out loud. What are your thoughts on that? Because I think that opened up a can of worms, Taz. I mean, he could be tooting his own horn. Like I said, nothing's been um, in full confirmed talks as far as um, the press is released right now. The team owner of SVG's Supercars ride um, has said that there's been no discussions as of right now. Um, obviously, his, the owner has said that um, should SVG want to run Cup full-time, he's not going to hold him back. Um, SVG has SVG has put out a feeler saying that he may want to, but he may not. Again, nothing's been set in stone, but but you but you have to put that into consideration that there could be possibly another free agent in this work, which which makes you sit here and think where could he go? Should he be should he be declaring running full time for the NASCAR Cup Series? Because you have to sit here and think, could Trackhouse take that Project 91 and make it a full-time ride? Only problem is it's an open car. It's not a charter. And they're going to try to go for a charter. Now, I bring charters into this factor because um, BJ McLeod's team, uh, there is a rule that NASCAR has. If you finish, like, in the bottom three um, of the – owner's points or something like that for three straight seasons. Um, You could lose. NASCAR could potentially buy your charter because, I mean, you didn't hold your own wager to that. And the one team that's right now struggling to do that is BJ McLeod's team, which that could be, say, Trackhouse's way of getting a charter. Um, And, of course, right now people... And teams are saying that they are not selling charters. Like Spire has put out there that they're not selling charters. Um, I think Front Row has said they're not selling a charter yet. And I do believe um, there is one or two other teams that put up uh, their comments saying they're not going to sell their charters. If there was somebody though that could be willing to sell a charter, I could see it being Rick Ware, but I don't entirely foresee that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I wouldn't put him in a cup car. Not on the basis of one race. I don't care who you are. I could maybe see, like, see, for instance, if SVG wanted to run cup full-time, um, say not next year, but maybe in two years, I could see someone like Trackhouse try to grab him and put him in, like maybe not only road courses or street courses, but maybe grab him for an oval race, whether it's a short track, super speedway. Shoot, go for the Daytona 500. Why not? You know, I if mean, these guys can figure out that they can that they can add a road course crazy guy from Spain or from New Zealand or from Australia. You're going to see a lot of open cars here in your road course. 
uh, races. And I think that that's a good, that's a good move, right? I mean, that there's nothing that pays better than first. So, you know, if you've got a guy that's in an open car that can literally go out there and maybe teach these country boys something, uh, you know, uh, I can see teams taking that risk, right? And, and, and seeing, you know, a, a different strategy being played at these certain road course races as the car uh, fits better to, uh, you, you know, being able to bring in somebody that to get seats out. But, but putting SVG as a full-time driver next year in the Cup Series, it would be a disaster. And I think that we could all agree with that at this stage. Yeah, I can't, I don't, personally, I would, personally, if I were SVG, in my own opinion, I would say, I would say take next year of supercars full-time, but if you are really considering racing full-time cup series, um, you have to get some oval races in, and you may have to talk to uh, some teams to run, say, a few races. Like, yeah, you could run your road course, street course, just to make you feel comfortable, but you have to run some ovals and super speedways. So maybe short tracks, maybe try the Daytona 500. Um, I mean, I feel like short tracks may not entirely benefit um, SVG entirely only because of the fact, I mean, we've seen with SRX that guys that are primarily road course, street course racers do tend to run pretty decently or pretty well at running short tracks because of car control. Um, there's not a lot of straightaway speed. I mean, look at Marco Andretti, Helio Castroneves, just to name a couple. So, I mean... If I were SVG, I would try a couple races on, on at least, at least the Daytona 500 and maybe a couple of the, um, couple of the, you know, your typical cookie cutter mile and a half tracks, because that's where you're gonna sit there and really feel like, is this really what you want to do? Yeah, you know what SVG should have done? He should have signed up for the SRX series this year. That would have given him. Uh, a more experienced and a better <laughs> upper hand at maybe trying some of this oval racing. But when I say trying some and, of this oval racing, I'm not, I am not going to sit here and believe that a cup owner is going to risk his franchise. You know, Red Bull would have to be paying a whole lot of money, and it's not going to work at track house because they just signed a multi-year deal with Bush. And you're not going to have Bush and, and Red Bull in the same stable. And re- you notice that Red Bull did not, have any sponsorship of his car at Chicago. Red yeah, Bull only stepped away from NASCAR. Red Bull stepped away from NASCAR. They're not going to be quick to jump in just because SVG's going going there. But, you know. Right. right, and so that the money has to be behind this as well. And you know, I, I just I just don't see. Um, yeah, it's, it's there. There's too many other Cup drivers that are well invested uh, that you take your chance on. So Michael McDowell, for crying out loud, I'm sure whatever he's making over at Front Row Motorsports is pennies 
compared to what Martin Truex Jr. is getting paid. And to be honest with you, if Truex did decide to hang it up or he goes over and races for his buddy over at Stuart Haas Racing, you know, Michael McDowell, a homecoming to Toyota, letting him, you know, putting him into that 19 car over John Hunter Nemechek, I don't know about y'all, man, but that sounds a lot better, a lot better, cooler deal if Michael McDowell, because if not, if I'm not going back home and I'm not going to uh, Toyota Racing to go drive for Joe Gibbs, uh, where my career started at, and through TR, the TRD program, then I'm going to stay right there where I'm at, because you know what? Nobody else has been that successful at Front Row Motorsports, but Michael McDowell had kind of owned ownership into this organization, because he has been the stable driver that has allowed this organization to improve over the last several years. Now, I know that David Reagan got a win there. I know Chris Buescher got a win there. But those wins, you know, one was at Pocono, a rain-shortened race. The other was a win at Talladega on a, you know, just a dreadful, I was there at that race. I actually watched the finish from my living room because we just got tired of it. It was cold, it was raining, and there was just no damn way that the race was ever going to get restarted. So we come home. And I got to watch the end of it right here in my living room. It was crazy. David Reagan won that race. Uh, as, uh, it was dark. I mean, it was literally dark outside. Um, but so, you know, what Michael McDowell has done there since, uh, since he went to front row, I, I see, you know, everybody talks about loyalty and Kyle Larson, Chip Ganassi. I mean, there's got to be some loyalty between McDowell and front row motorsports, especially knowing Bob Jenkins and Doug Yates. That they... they they take pride into having a guy like Michael McDowell in their organization. Any thoughts on that, uh, Miss Lee? Well, I would like to see <clears throat> McDowell in better equipment. I really would, because you know, look what he's done, like you said, for front row, but. Yeah, he 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 deserves better equipment, and and I think I think what you're saying about him going back to Toyota, where his roots are, would be a good thing for him. Yeah, it's a it's a game of musical chairs. It is, Tessa. What are your thoughts as we as we play the musical chairs amongst ourselves? The so. I'm thinking of a couple things here. I would like to see McDowell take a shot at a top-tier ride, such as SHR. I know the 10 car is going to be more of a likelihood. I mean, is it the best car over SHR? No. But is it better than what he's getting at front row? Probably. That big... I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he's the I, third I, I know. best driver in SHR, but he's the best driver in front row. <laughs> I mean, I I hear I'm kind, I'm with you there, Chris, because it's like it's like SHR is a top team, but at the same time, like between the 34 and the 10, like is there really much of a difference? There may be a little bit more, um, but I don't really know unless. You put them in it, and you can't. And like as the saying goes, can't knock until you try it, right? But if you want to put him more on the Toyota side, 
I don't see I don't see Legacy Motor Club or Motorsports, whatever they're called. Um, I don't see them giving up Gregson or Jones right now. I think both of them are under contract for at least another year, at least. Um, and the only other Toyota option for McDowell at the moment would have to be somewhere in 2311 if Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan choose to say, see you later, Bubba Wallace. And I don't, with how Bubba brings in sponsorship, I don't see how they're going to cut him out, at least for the young team right now, where sponsorship is key. And unless Truex gives, and unless Truex decides to retire, I don't see McDowell scoring um, a ride over at JGR because, yeah, there's the Denny Hamlin, uh, there's a Denny Hamlin situation, but I wouldn't, but honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Gibbs and Denny Hamlin agreed on to some sort of extension, and I wouldn't be surprised if it gets announced within the next a month or two. Well, uh, that's a big question mark right there with Denny Hamlin and Joe Gibbs and what's going to happen. It's also very apparent that uh, 2311 is not as strong of an organization this year as what they were last year, even though Bubba's had a really good run there for a few weeks, uh, probably the best runs that he's had uh, in, the, in his entire career. Um, you know, here's Kyle Busch over there at RCR, three wins. Tyler Reddick, zero. Um, you know, it's, it wasn't, does he have one win? Tyler's got a win. Does Tyler have a win? He does have a win, doesn't he? Yeah. It's, uh, I know Coda he won for sure. I don't remember if he's won anything else since. I want to say no. Okay, yeah, okay. So he does have – he has one win. Okay, all right. That's – okay. All right. But my my argument is, you know, 2311 hasn't been lighting the world on fire. And Benny Hamlin, there's big questions there with, uh, you know, FedEx. And he doesn't want to go out <clears throat> like uh, like Jimmy did with the change of sponsor in the, in the 11. If, if FedEx leaves, he's going to go to 2311. Bubba Wallace is the big question mark, guys. And by the talk of Denny Hamlin, like, there's no more trying to motivate Bubba to be better than what he is. Bubba is who he is. And I think that Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin realized that he's never going to be a superstar. He's been given the equipment for two years, three years. Uh, this is his third season. So uh, he's been given the equipment needed to become a superstar, and he's yet to find that. So Bubba is still Bubba. So there could be a change at 2311. Man, when you're building a $16 million uh, uh, garage, uh, you're you're going to make changes that make your organization a winning organization, even if that means you moving to that organization and racing your own car. Uh, you know, uh, Denny Hamlin could pot very very well possibly be in the 23 car uh, his own self uh, in in the near future um, if you know things don't start moving in a upper direction for 2311. It this is silly season, y'all. This is silly season, and there's. There is something that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks that we had no idea that was coming. And it's going to, you know, 
Um, it's funny that we're at that point of the of the year now where we can waste almost a whole episode just <laughs> just throwing drivers' names out there and what might happen. Um, one thing we do know is that Chase Elliott is in trouble and Alex Bowman is in trouble. And Alex was able to rebound uh, this past race, uh, if I'm not mistaken, right, Taz. Uh, but Chase Elliott, man, I mean, that guy, he, he looked off the map. Something, something going on over there uh, in in that nine machine, and I wonder if it's self confidence. You know, we talked about this a couple of years ago when Kyle Larson showed up, and he was Chase Elliott was no longer going to be the best driver in the organization, and how Chase was going to be able to adapt to that. And now that you're seeing the success of Willie B, you're seeing Kyle Larson, Alex Bowman, you know, it's it's semi. He has to compare himself more to Alex Bowman uh, than he can Willie B, who is on fire. And, of course, Kyle Larson, who could very well be the best driver in the garage. Um, Is Chase in trouble? That's the question. I'll start with you, Ms. Lee. Absolutely. If, you know, if, if he does not get a win, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit in the chat. You know he needs to he he does need to to work on stage points, but if he doesn't get a win, I and and I can't see NASCAR not letting the face into the chase. But at this point in time, man, he's got a big hold to shovel himself out of. So, I, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the reason is. But, you know, I, I, have, I, I have my feelings about Bowman. And, right. and we talked about that a little bit in the chat. And, and part of that being, um, you know, him, him being a little, let, I'll be generous and say concerned about injuries because his was a back injury. Um, you know, back injuries are nothing to sneeze at. Um, right. You know, so crippling. They're crippling. I, I, I feel I feel that Bowman is, is, is a little bit scared. I don't know what Chase's excuse is. But like I said, I also don't see NASCAR not letting the face miss the chase. So what's going to happen with that? You know, it kind of goes back. And I, don't I can tell you what's going to happen. I'll tell you what's going to happen. If Chase doesn't win in the, in the next, in any one of the next five regular season races, Come Daytona, they're going to push him like hell, and Chase is going to win that damn thing. You know it. You really think Kyle Larson is going to help Chase Elliott? It's going to be team orders, and I'm sure Kyle Larson will be pocketed extra bucks for it. Nah, if I'm Kyle Larson, there's just no way, man. There's no way. Like, because I already have to beat Willie B. There's no way that I'm going to put the third guy in my organization into the playoffs. There's no way, Dad. 
Because what if that guy beats me? You see, this is a confidence game. And that's what's wrong with Chase Elliott. It happened to Bill. When Bill had his bad wreck and Matt Kenseth got his debut, do you guys remember that? Did you know that? Matt Kenseth got his NASCAR debut because he stepped into the car that uh, that Bill Elliott, uh, I believe it was the McDonald's car, he slipped at Talladega, broke his hip, and Matt Kenseth made his uh, debut in that car. Uh, but Bill Elliott, of course, two years went by where he didn't win. And that was in the moment of his injury. So maybe the Elliots have a hard time dealing with injuries. I don't know. Maybe it's just a mental capacity. But I do know that when he's at an organization where he's supposed to be winning and he's not winning and he starts, there's there's a rubbing of some kind. Look at Dale Jr. If it ain't Dale Jr. written all over again, I don't know what is, right? There it is. Dale Jr. was at the top of his game. He got into a race car that caught on fire, and it completely changed his career, and he lost confidence for five to six years. Everybody says, well, Chris, he had nothing to do with that fire. Oh, it had plenty to do with that car fire. He had plenty to do with it because he was scared, and he, he lost his confidence in it, and he lost his confidence in himself, and that's how you kill a race car driver. Maybe not necessarily out on the racetrack, but definitely his career. Now, whether or not Chase can overcome that, hey, give him a couple of years to get it, to get his mojo back. Kyle Larson's probably not going to stay at uh, Hendrick Motorsports forever. I could be wrong. He could stay just to piss Chase off and Chase leaves. I don't know. But you can't, you're, eventually, you know, you're going to have these two guys bumping heads. And whether or not, you know, you can – I think the thing that saved Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon was Jeff Gordon was friends with Jimmy Johnson in the beginning. He's the reason why Jimmy Johnson is raced in Hendrick Motorsports. So there was a little bit of a mano over mano. You know, Chase Elliott, he's kind of a spoiled brat of the sport. Kyle Larson, he got kicked out of the sport and had to earn his way back in it by lighting the dirt world on fire. Those two guys are not the same. I don't see Kyle Larson pushing Chase Elliott to no damn win at Daytona. I'm sorry to disagree with you, Taz, but i got to bring Miss Lee in on this one. I know She's going to DDT you right now. She ain't falling for it either. Miss Lee, what are your thoughts? I'm I'm totally with you, Chris. I don't see <laughs> I don't see Kyle Larson helping Chase. No, I, that's fine. I'll I, I just don't that. see it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he's he's on the map. He's tapping out. He's tapping out. Taz, don't tap out. Like, no, fight, no, Taz, I no. <laughs> no, I played devil's advocate because I said Chase Elliott's going to get clutched in Daytona if he don't win any one of his five races. Y'all are going to get perfect world. Yeah, yeah, in a perfect world he would. But, but you got to think about who Kyle Larson is. He, if he gets a push, it'll be by Willie B. It won't be by it won't be by Kyle Larson. I promise. Uh, they're probably already arch nemesis in that in that organization, and it's probably because Kyle was like. Hey, man, Chase, what are you doing? Chase is like, fuck you, Kyle. (laughs) And and there's where a rivalry starts. It happens all the time. I I hate it when two best friends go to a racetrack and start racing each other. You know what's guaranteed before the year's over with? They ain't friends no more. (laughs) All right, what's next on the agenda? Oh, I believe we have a stat of the day. You want to know the type of uh, 
butt whooping that Martin Truex Jr. put down. I tell you what, this stat right here will blow your mind. I don't, I don't normally give the stat away before we even get there, but man, this is just unreal when when you really think about it. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. is the most prolific stage racer since the stage format was installed in 2017. Today's two stage wins brings his all-time career high stage win total to 59. He also has an all-time high 1,943 stage points. In return, Toby Christie posted this. To put it in perspective, the next highest on the NASCAR Cup Series stage win list is Kyle Busch with 47, 12 less than Truex. Busch also holds the second most stage points in Cup history with 1768, 175 less than Truex. Now, the one thing that is interesting about that stat is both of those drivers have been Toyota drivers since the stage inception. So that's how many stage wins Toyota has put together since 2017. I wonder if that's more that has to do with TRD and the focus on how this game is played, or if that was a genius from the two crew chiefs. That does open up a great question, and I'm going to leave it off with you, Miss Lee. Well, and you know, and this is why, you know, you guys kind of laughed at me, but this is why I said that, that Chase needs to look at focusing on stage points. Yeah, it's a little late in the season, but that should have been his strategy from the very start. I agree 1,000, for sure. I agree with that, for sure. He should. You know. So whether, you know, whether it was a TRD thing or a JGR thing, um, you know, either way, well, true, to have they, was, play, uh, they were playing right. the game right. Right. And that was Cole Pern as his crew chief. So, you know, a lot of emphasis was put on Cole Pern that, you know, he went out and he did. He, he understood the game that was being uh, – uh, the rules of the game that was being put forth. And, you know, that's, you know, Truex won that championship in dominant fashion. And, it was, you know, it was the stage wins that carried him over each side of the playoffs. I think that was in that moment, even in this show, that we realized how important those stage points really were. Like, I remember that coming to Jesus where it was like, wow, these stage points literally put uh, Martin Truex in a completely different area. Do you remember that, Dad? I think you've been along this. What does Rob long enough to remember that, correct? Mm, I'm trying to think. I think so. Yeah, man, I mean, you know. But if not, it was Jason then. Uh, but <clears throat> either way, uh, you know, there's, I mean, that's just crazy perspective to think that these two drivers have accumulated for over 3,000 uh, stage wins in the last, you know, what, six years. So, um, unreal. Like, uh, Toyota has basically dominated the game, but not necessarily have they dominated in the win category. They've had the stage wins, but not, you know, maybe not capitalized completely on uh, uh, the big win. But uh, I'd like to see those totals put in perspective since 2017 versus other manufacturers. But a very interesting stat, and Miss uh, I agree with you 1,000%. That's exactly what Chase needs to do. They're trying to hit a home run. We're, we're thinking you just need to get on base. You can accumulate 50-plus points a race, 
if you just play the phase strategy. And if you wind exactly. up 14th, that's great if you wind up somewhere in the top 15 because you definitely have a car capable of finishing in the top 15. But it's very important. If you got two stage wins and you finish 15, then you've got basically points as a fifth-place finisher. And I think that's the important game that they're missing over here. They're, they're swinging for the fences. They're wanting the home run. And maybe you'll get that at Watkins Glen or somewhere. But I promise I was say, there is, these other racers know how good Chase is there. They're not going to help him get there. See, there is two races that do favor Chase, and I'm looking specifically at the road courses, which is Indianapolis and Watkins Glen. Uh, Daytona, he's not the strongest super speedway racer, although there was the Atlanta deal, but different super speedway versus a Daytona Talladega type thing. Um Pocono, hey, anything can happen. That's another one. Um, I don't remember him being that great at Richmond, and there's also there could also be Michigan, but yeah, I see what you're saying on the. I see, I see what you're saying on the on the stage point thing, but I I see it as basically you got to put yourself in a must win type deal at this point. Yeah, you yeah, Well, that's that's people. exactly it. And they, and that's why I said he he should have taken that stage point strategy from the very beginning of the season. Yeah. Because at, at this point it really it's it's not going to help him out that much unless he gets a win. Right. Right. And I mean, I see it as I see it as with him. Like I said, stage points will help. I mean, if he gets the stage win, those playoff points will definitely help even more. But I just see it as he's got to put himself in a race must win situation because you can't just rely on a good point state yourself. You got to hope that the people ahead of you don't have as don't have either as good of a day as you do. Or they have ferocious days where they're out of the race early. Well, either way, without those stage wins, if Chase even gets in the playoffs, he's not going to be a threat because he doesn't have enough ump behind him uh, to get him to the next to the next stages. Unless the guy just comes in and lights the world on fire, and somebody with confidence issues, that that's just not going to happen. Maybe he gets a win, but he's not going to turn everything around in the blink of an eye. Now that I've said that, of course, Chase Elliott will go on and win the championship, and I'm going to put my bet in on DraftKings in just a few minutes. Because, <laughs> I, I, obviously, I, I have that huge power, so Chase Elliott will go on and win the championship this year just because I said that. Um, but, no, I, I just don't see it happening, guys. And, and back to the Truex thing, wow, how many stage points that's how valuable it is. Of course, it's, it's only one in one championship, but uh, it's something that he's working on again this year, and that strategy uh, could very well lead him into another championship as we sit here and question what his plans are for next season. That's unreal, the times that we live in right now. And once again, another week with nothing but storylines, right? I mean, NASCAR is doing one darn thing good, and that's keeping the storylines hot. 
I think that that's the most successful thing that the NFL does is they keep people they keep people wondering what's what's going to happen next. Well, you know, even in the off season with the whole uh, the running back saga right now with all these running backs who are not getting paid and they're getting uh, they're getting franchise tagged. That's the story right now, but it's still a story. And NASCAR has been really good uh, over the last few years of keeping the story going week in, week out. You know, there, there's so much that we can talk about uh, because of where racing is and what's going on in it right now. Uh, you know, they they complain about not having off weeks, but yet, you know, it's really the momentum that gets you through. And, and you don't have a, a, an NFL season where you have two weeks off and no no NFL games. No, there's always something playing, and I think NASCAR gets it, and that's kind of how we've got this momentum and storylines week in, week out. We have something cool to really talk about and bring to the table. Absolutely. Even even if it's silly season speculation, there there is always something to talk about. Right. One thing we have not talked about was the Xfinity race. Like, I, I was, of course, on vacation. I was in the mountains. I don't really remember two two laps of it. The TV was absolutely terrible. It was fuzzy. I couldn't really see the cars. Um, and I think I eventually just left the hotel room and, and uh, went and found something to do. So I didn't really watch uh, the Xfinity race. I do believe that uh, John Hunter Nemechek was the winner. Did, were you guys able to yeah. watch that, or did you both miss it as well? Yeah, I I didn't catch much of it, but I have to share a, a funny because John Hunter Nemechek won the week before, and he was interviewed on Race Hub. And as they concluded the interview, John Hunter said, "Well, maybe I'll see y'all next week when I win at New Hampshire." And what did he do? Oh, wow. He won at New Hampshire. Wow. So that's how <laughs> confident he was on, huh? going in. That's, that's pretty cool. And by the way, he said cool. he said the next time he'll be on Race Hub is Pocono, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, we definitely know that that 20 car has always been hooked up and um, I, I'm sure that uh, he has a, a lot of skill. Of course, Harrison Burton, I believe, was the least successful driver in the 20 car in the Xfinity Series. So, um, and he's probably been one of the least successful of the Toyota development drivers, uh, as we've seen him now three years in the Cup Series. So, uh, two years in the Cup Series. Um, but now I've heard that his seat is secure for next year. So they don't expect any changes there uh, in the 21 team. But uh, back to the Xfinity Series side, uh, John Hunter did put a uh, yard whooping on everybody. Uh, anything else that kind of comes from that race, Taz? Did you get to see it? I didn't. I did not get to catch anything of the Xfinity race, so I don't really have much input. But. So uh, I guess that's going to open the door for, uh, well, let's quick talk. RFK, Brad Keselowski. This is real, y'all. This is real. Like, this is real. Brad Keselowski has brought RFK 
Roush Fenway Racing back from the dead. Um, I don't know what's going on over at the uh, Rick Ware race cars, but you had Cole Custer in one car and Ryan Newman in another. I'm not sure if those are uh, developmental cars that uh, Ford is feeding um, information from, but it is crazy the talent that's in those two cars at Rick Ware Racing. They're, they're not getting much publicity for it. Uh, but what RFK has done and uh, the uh, uh, just the weekend, look, Brad Keselowski is going to win. Like, Chris Buescher, he's going to win. You don't get top five and just fall off all of a sudden. Uh, these guys are headed in the right direction. And I think that uh, anybody that doesn't see it, that the RFK right now is probably the best forward uh, in the field. They're crazy. Um, kudos to making the show again. Like, uh, you know, I, I have a feeling maybe there'll be a one-off somewhere. And they probably won't run good if they'll be Pocono this week. I don't know. Busher has a win at Pocono. I don't know what Keselowski's bred in his career at Pocono, but it would be interesting to see the stats. Uh, but when we come up to a place like Michigan, Brad Keselowski's home track, I guarantee you he has circled that racetrack on his piece of paper and says, this is where I want, this is where I want to get. Because you're doing it in front of Ford, man. You're doing it in front of Ford, and you're doing it in Michigan. And, I mean, you just got me excited. I mean, my gosh. I mean, Brad Keselowski, RFK Racing. People have laughed at Brad Keselowski his whole career. Playing, you know, made fun of how he looks and all. I mean, the guy, he's the most patriotic driver out there. He's, uh, he, he's you know, a great father. You see the father figure that he is to his children. Um, he has manufacturing uh, companies. That, uh, that he's bought into and built from scratch. Well, I, I say bought into, but basically built from scratch. Uh, so he has this future that's already, uh, you know, been solidified outside of racing. And he's a team owner who's bringing an organization that was at rock bottom and making them ultra competitive week in, week out. If I can't get a standing ovation to what uh, Brett Keselowski's done over at RFA Racing, I don't think that we should do any standing ovation. Brad's a smart guy. You know, he's 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 diversified in ways that ensure that he will be involved in racing for many years to come. And I'm surprised he hasn't won a race yet. But yeah, I, I agree. Before before the end of the year, Brad, or you know, before the the playoffs come, I I do believe Brad will will win a race. And he has definitely yeah. elevated. RFK, and I think he was he was a good addition. He's a good teammate for Chris Busher. You know, I've I've always liked Chris Busher. I admired him from his Xfinity days, and I think that he and Brad work very well together. I agree. Yeah. 
I think with RFK, um, they're obviously going in the right direction. I think Brad is doing better as an owner this time around versus when he had um, his own truck team. I think Roush has pretty much given him kind of the foundation. Um, didn't really say give him keys to to the entire organization, but kind of, you know, got his feet wet, giving him um, a, a good direction to point in. Um, obviously, Brad not only wants to better not only himself uh, towards the end of his career, um, but he also wants to benefit, put the organization on the map, and he definitely uh, wants to see Chris Busher basically carry the flagship of be the flagship driver of that organization. Because Brad has mentioned time and time again that Chris Busher has the talent, but you got to give him the equipment. You got to give him the yeah. the faith, the belief in him. And yeah. Brad has been Brad has been I don't want to say the only driver, but probably one of the very few drivers in that garage that sees it and is really pushing him. And and if you remember me mentioning um, last week post Atlanta, I do believe because Brad has such uh, high hopes for Busher, I think Busher became a better super speedway racer because he's learning from Brad. I mean, I've said time and time again in super speedway races, Brad is a guy that shows up to those playing. He wants he is playing chess in a checkers game. In the and you can't say I'm wrong because look at the success he's had at Super Speedway Racing. Right. He's won a Daytona. He's oh, won a Talladega. Sure. He's been knocking he's on, on the door, door being the winningest. He's been knocking on the door being the winningest driver ever at Talladega. But let that sink in. One more win away, and he has stopped Dale Earnhardt and Dale Jr.'s record. That's unreal. And I'm just going to throw... When you answer, I'm just going to... I'm just going to throw this into the mix. Look at what Brad did for Joey Logano. Amen, Miss Lee. He advocated to get Joey at Penske, and he worked with him. And look, you know, look what's happened to Joey since he mm-hmm. left JGR. And Logano. And now that Brad's left Penske, Logano is the flagship guy of Penske now instead of Brad. Right. So Brad helped groom him for that <laughs> position. So what does that tell Absolutely. you about Brad and Who what Brad his vision is for racing, for NASCAR mm-hmm. in general? So Brad... Right forward thinking in investing in RFK, like I said, it positions him for a great future going forward with the sport. And he is, he is a great mentor. I mean, I I just feel like that win, when it comes 
the, the sport itself needs to celebrate. And I hope it comes in Michigan. I really do. I wanted to come this weekend at Pocono, but I would love to see that come in Michigan just so he could look up there in that tower and see Ethel Ford and give him a kiss, a blow kiss, and ride that American flag backwards around the racetrack as he's done so many times before. Um, you know, Brad Keselowski loves the sport of racing. He's an ambassador for the sport, as you said, Miss Lee. He has an eye talent in the sport, um, and he has an eye of fixing things and making things better. There's only a few people that hold that type of character, that hold that type of charisma. And exactly. very few times and do you see failure from and, those type of people. They are a golden goose. And, you know, uh, Gibbs is worried about where their organization is going in the future, and we've questioned that as well. But Keselowski is going to join the names of Roush, Ganassi, Stuart Haas, He's 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 going to be one of the guys that keeps propelling this sport forward. But I can agree with that too. I can definitely uh, for an organization that was dumb, dumb and broke is basically what I, what I felt like Ross was because the fall off happened so fast. Like we thought, wow, this went from a five team organization. They lose Matt Kenseth. Then they lose Carl Edwards, and Greg Biffle never goes anywhere again. Mark Martin. Never races anywhere else. Mark Martin, of course. You know, Mark, I think that was kind of, you know, Roush was uh, not even at their peak yet when Mark Martin left. Uh, Mark Martin kind of paved the way for what Carl Edwards and uh, Kenseth and them were able to uh, to do. I believe Mark left in 06 or 07. Um, you know, Kenseth, I guess, you know, he was uh, – Probably the the uh, the oldest man in the stable at the time, uh, but that that was a completely different gig because Robbie Reiser kind of ran that team, not really Jack Roush. They they were under the stable of Roush Racing, but Matt Kenseth's team was really run by the guy who got him in the sport, and that was Robbie Reiser. Um, so you know how that may have affected Mark Martin as well. You know I don't know. Uh, that's uh, obviously. Uh, Kenseth won a championship in 2003. Mark Martin never won a championship. Kurt Busch won in 2004. Mark Martin never won a championship. Maybe a lot of that had to do uh, with the exit. But that's kind of like where I believe, you know, um, you know, they turned into this, you know, powerhouse organization. They had five cup cars. They had dominating, uh, where at the time, nationwide series, Bush series teams. Uh, dominating truck series teams. And then next thing you know, just within a few years, uh, they're down to two drivers and wrecking race cars every week uh, um, and not performing. So where they were then and where they are now, uh, I think that, you know, it, it, it is time to celebrate the success of Brad Keselowski and what he's been able to bring uh, to RFK and get that organization turned around. So it, it took more than money. It took it took somebody who knew how to get the best out of every single employee, and I believe that's what Keselowski brought to the table when he invested Absolutely. into uh, RFK. 
Now, Taz, Taylor, it's about your time to shine. Uh, of course, this is going to uh, be the segment where we go into Taz's hot pick. Uh, Taz will tell us who to watch. And I'm interested to see where he has uh, set his favorites at uh, going into this week because Pocono, well, we don't really race there much anymore. And it's its own kind of racetrack. Um, it's the uh, no no fourth uh, no fourth corner uh, racetrack. It's a uh, it's kind of uh, it's kind of unique in its own character, but it's a very large racetrack. But it, you don't necessarily uh, think of it as a drafting racetrack either. Uh, you know who? How were you able to figure out this week who your favorites are, Taz? And I'll let you take it from here. So I've looked at. Obviously, I look at stats, and I've also kind of looked – so I've kind of looked into, you know, who's got a good amount of wins at the track. Then I kind of looked at average finishes, um, that type of deal. Um, And then, of course, where have they been performing um, for the year, this year specifically. So when I look at that, I have listed – as my favorites for Pocono, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, and William Byron. And I'll get to William Byron in a minute because I know there's probably going to be question marks about that one. Contenders, I have Kevin Harvick, Joey Logano, and Alex Bowman. And for underdogs, I have Eric Almarola, Bubba Wallace, and Chris Buescher. Now, the reason why I have Byron um, in the list of favorites, yes, he's had um, one heck of a stellar year so far this year, but his average finish at Pocono is a 9.4, which is the best of all current cup drivers. He may be winless, but in nine starts, he has two top fives and five top tens with one pole and has led 70 laps. And let me get you a refresher here. His average start is a 16.3. So he's starting mid-pack, but finishing right around the top 10 at Pocono. Yes, I have Hamlin. Hamlin has six wins at Pocono um, to go along with 14 top fives, 21 top tens. There is a couple drivers we can pinpoint as favorites, contenders, underdogs, pools open. Um, So, yeah. So the top well, three drivers of success, who are they? Besides Hamlin, of course. Um, Kyle Busch, who has four wins to his name, and then of course, <laughs> as I mentioned, and then of course, as I mentioned, William Byron. Yes, he's winless, but he is finishing around the top ten despite starting around mid-pack. All right, what about Larson? Larson also winless, 11.0 average finish, starting right around there, um, five top fives, nine top tens. So I'd like to see Elliot's stats. 
at this Chase point. Elliott so that'll kind has, of tell of where Hendrick is. So Chase Elliott, his average start and finish kind of mirror each other. Um, around 14th, uh, he has one win, four top fives, and eight top tens. So this is more of a Toyota-dominant racetrack, I believe. Um, the Truex doesn't have he, – he doesn't have uh, – he's not very good at bigger speedway races. Um, we've seen that over the he years. does have two wins here, though. Uh, Sure, he does have two wins. Yeah, I'll shut my mouth. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, Toyota, I mean, I'm counting eight wins already now with Toyota. Uh, so, obviously, this is a Toyota-dominant racetrack. Um, you know, that, that puts Christopher Bell. What does Christopher Bell look like here? Obviously, his stats are very few. Uh, maybe, I guess it's been at maybe the Olympics the last time we raced here twice, so... Um, I, I'm not even sure if Christopher Bell was a full-time driver at that time. Uh, what, what are his stats? Uh, two top fives, two top tens. And a 19.2 average finish. Mm. And I know we only have a few minutes left, so. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to put Ty Gibbs somewhere in there, right? We see a lot of, uh, a lot of guys that can, you don't expect to be uh, contenders, winners um, at uh, Pocono. So, obviously, this has a lot to do with manufacturer. Uh, Ty Gibbs, man, I mean, you know, you have to you have to make a serious uh, pull for this kid. Uh, he, he seems to have he seems to have matured a lot since last year. Um, yeah, this is probably a racetrack that could be in his favor here. I will Bubba put, Wallace, I, give, I think he has. Yeah, Bubba Wallace is in the underdog category. I just threw Ty Gibbs in there. Two favorites I do want to put in there. Um, being that one is a Ford and the other is a Toyota. Um, the Toyota throw in. Ryan, he, yes, I'm going to throw in Ryan Blaney is the Ford. Yes, he has one win there. And... Yeah. His average finish and his average start is right around the common 13-14 mark. But the thing with Ryan Blaney that I'm noticing in the last few races is that he's consistently staying up front. He's not, he's not in one of those positions where he's running up front and then he just falls off like last year. Yeah. Um, I think I had Logano last year. I picked him to win. He's so, so, I'm think, so bad. So, I'm thinking, so I'm thinking Blaine, and, and looking at a track like Pocono, I think this favors Ryan Blaney in the sense that in unique races, unique tracks, this is, it kind of fits into his wheelhouse. He, I feel like Ryan Blaney just does well in this type of situation. Um, Truex, with the, with the way he's been um, this year, I mean, in 33 starts, yes, he has two wins, but his top tens, he's sitting 14th, or, he, or he's got 14 top tens to go along with six top fives. I mean, but again, with the wave riding he's on right now, you can't ignore it. Let's pull up Kevin Harvick's stats real quick. Because I'm getting a feeling from SHR. I'm feeling like a Chase Briscoe 
may have had some success here, possibly Kevin Harvick over the last couple of years. What, Harvick, what Harvick, Harvick in 43 Pocono races, only one single win, 15 top five, 22 oh. top 10, 12.1 average oh, finish. Okay, he's, a, he's a little bit better than the rest, and that's a lot of stats. Right, that's a lot of I stats. Mean, but I, I'm putting him as a contender because, I mean, SHR as a whole is just not there. Um, Harvick finally broke his top ten streak, or his uh, not finishing the top ten win or top ten streak at New Hampshire. I think it was for like six or seven races straight. He did not finish the top ten before New Hampshire. Um, I just I wanted to win at least once before he called it a career, but I, right now it's just hard because SHR is just not performing. Yeah, but I feel like there's going to be a whole lot of cheating going on between now and the last five races because if you're going to cheat, now is going to be the time. If you're going to put something in that car that you probably shouldn't have in there. Now would be the time to do it. So if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I'm going to go back to the old rules of the way. I believe SHR is going to dig deep into that little uh, mystery box and see if they can't find something that's going to make them a little bit faster. But I did want to check out Brad Keselowski's stats real quick because because there may be this may be the week that it happens. I want to know what his what his stats are there, and we have to put him and Busher in some kind of category here. Because All if right. not, so, you're just ignoring the fact that RFA is doing what they're doing. So, Busher Evans is an underdog. Brad is one win, 11 top five, 15 top tens, and 25 Pocono races for a 10.7 average finish. 10.7, the best I've heard yet. William Byron top ten, wow. and that's the only driver. Wow. Wow. Definitely. Uh, so I will put. So I will put Brad as a contender easily. Being that our favorites list is pretty much full. Um, another contender I, w- I kind of want to throw in there. Um, oddly enough, would probably be Christopher Bell. I mean, th- I know this is not his track, but he's. I mean, he's having a pretty decent season. And as for Busher, I have thrown him in the underdog category only because um, he only has one win and two top tens to follow it. Cowboosh. Cowboosh. He's a favorite. Yeah, he should be. Um, All right. I'm going to throw in one more underdog. And that's going to be AJ Allmendinger. He does have two top tens here, and oh, is, this is a wild card type of track. If a common winner, if a common winner does not win here, it's somebody wild that no. you would never think. I can see, I can see somebody swinging for the fences here. Um, that's why I can see Haas uh, backing into oh, a win, or I could see uh, you know possibly a rain shortened race uh, that we've seen before. Um, so, you know, definitely all these things are uh, going to be played. Um, this probably is going to be a, ma- a certain uh, manufacturer race uh, or it's going to be a, a team race, you know, as in 
you're going to see maybe RCR run really, really well here. Uh, you're going to see uh, did, uh, the Ford. Did we, talk about, um, did we talk about Reddick at all? No, Tyler was not mentioned, but, uh, you know, I'm not – this is probably a racetrack that doesn't really fit Tyler Reddick um, and his driving. But, I mean, look at the stats. What does that say, Tad? One top five, two top tens, and five starts for a 17.4 average start and finish. Well, I mean, not bad, I guess. He doesn't get nowhere near the, the track time I'm talking about that some of these other drivers are in their career. Your, your real contenders, for the most part, stat-wise, are their average finish is commonly sitting anywhere between 11th through 15th. Um, anything above that, obviously, you made something work at Pocono. Anything below that, you, you kind of not really done the job. Yeah, the one thing that I know of Pocono the most is the guy who won one week, the first week, the first time, was probably going to be close to winning it again the second time. So there was always something about Pocono that somebody had and figured out. And then, you know, it's just who's got that figured out uh, rolling into this week. Ross Chastain was not mentioned, and I don't believe Daniel Suarez was mentioned either. If these, if track house is going to be a powerhouse, um, we have to figure out where Suarez is in this powerhouse because Suarez is not living – Nico is not living to expectations, and I think that they need to get that turned around quickly because so I, I feel I if and I'm not saying this is my pick, but I will say I would not be surprised if he is somebody's pick this week. Ross Chastain has no top fives and no top tens for an <laughs> average finish of 49.7. Daniel Suarez has a different story. Daniel Suarez in 11 really? races has hit two top fives, four top tens, and 11 Pocono races for a 15.0 average finish. So, I mean, like yeah. I said, I'm not, I'm not saying that's my pick. However, I would not be surprised if somebody wants to put in a little sleeper, and that's him, and that is him right there. Right, for sure. All right, well, who's, what's your SRX picks? We're five minutes overdue, man. Who's going to win SRX this week? All right, so for SRX, there's a there's a couple drivers I'm eyeballing here. Um, obviously, we're not Thunder Road, so we're at Stafford again. Um, I am looking specifically at Ryan Newman. Uh, yes, he won Stafford last year. Had the race not finished under rain, I think he would have had something for Hamlin um, and probably could have won it. Um, don't count out Marco Andretti. He did lead some laps last week. Don't count out Bobby Labonte, um, who's led a number of laps at Stafford in the last two years. Um, and don't look too far of Greg Biffle. Don't look too far of Greg Biffle either. The Biff is running Stafford this week. Um, Biffle has won a heat race at Stafford in year one. And he said that one of the short tracks that's close to home for him is similar to Stafford. And I'm going to mention this guy's name. He knows he's run a lot of laps to Stafford. Probably not as much as Doug Kobe, but he's run a number of laps here, and he's won multiple times at this track, Ryan Priest. 
Praise for that. I'm going to be my favorite. Yeah. Yeah, that would have to be my favorite. But Ryan Newman is a good argument as well. Um, and the little piece that they had on Ryan about how he won and it really just brought him out of the dumps and stuff. I mean, that was, you know, that, that uh, you know, I, I, I remember a similar story with Jerry Nadeau, and he didn't get that chance to win again. So um, just to see Ryan light up in that, in that quick little uh, thing that they did where, you know, talked about him walking out of the hospital and stuff with his girls and then, you know, that's series is the first place that he's actually able to feel that win again. Um, it, it really changed a lot of things. A lot of my views with Ryan Newman kind of made me, yeah, I was never a big fan of the Rocket Man. So I guess that kind of made me a fan uh, with uh, with the way that that was, that was written there. But uh, so, yep, uh, good luck Thursday night. We'll be, uh, we'll be on the chat side uh, probably talking about it. Um, but uh, looking forward to it. That's only two nights away. I like that, man. I like kicking off the weekend with a race, man. But, uh, I think that uh, a lot of fans should uh, uh, get on board here because it's only a, it's really a short season, and, and I don't want to miss any of it. So um, I'll be tuning in regardless. Uh, hope that y'all are too. Uh, let's uh, cut this thing out of here and get to the house. But, uh, so. All right, I want to thank everyone for listening along to Race Chat Live here on Blog Talk Radio. If you ever miss us live, you can catch us on any form of podcast such as Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Freaker, RSSB, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, GeoSaver, Podcast Addict, Deezer, Podchaser, and on YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, if you go to the One Ten Nation Sports YouTube channel, go and subscribe to that channel. I know as of lately the content has been on the slower side, but... I'm sure in the next few weeks, content will be picking right back up. Um, we'll, and also, don't forget to go to the 110 Nation Sports Network uh, website, the 110NationSportsNetwork.com, I believe it is. Um, that's where you'll see uh, links to our past shows, um, links to where we are podcast-wise, and much more in terms of blogs, storylines, and much more. Thank you to our sponsors of Make the One Ten Nation Roll, Bears Bullish Market, uh, Carolina Sports Plus, uh, TNT Designs, Yellow Caution Flag Productions, and more to music, karaoke, and entertainment. Thank you guys for listening on to Race Chat Live. We'll see you in same bat time, same bat place next Tuesday night, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. This has been the Caution Flag of Racing Radio. Chris Strayton, the Mama Bear, the 110 Nation, Lee Reed. I'm the Tasmanian Devil Flagger, Taz Taylor. Saying goodnight. Taz, 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 before you go, I got something to tell you. I'm four points away from you, buddy. I got you in my sight. (laughs) Don't Don't you worry. Don't pull no shimmy. Don't pull no shimmy on me now. Uh Uh-uh. Don't you worry. Uh, hey, I have picks on top of picks on top of picks. Don't you worry. <laughs> All right. Good night, y'all. <laughs> night, everybody. Good night, Leslie. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.